0: to the preaching and teaching ministry of Mary and Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. We're going to be looking at Matthew uh, chapter 4. It's kind of a key verse we're going to jump off with this morning. But first of all, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever heard of the five love languages? Lots of hands go up. You know, it's really interesting. As a pastor, I've heard of this teaching, and it's a book. Uh, it's been out for almost 20 years. And I've heard bits and pieces of it talked about, and I understood the concept. But I never actually went to a seminar or a teaching time that was about it. I never actually read the book until this last week. I was looking for something really good to listen to because I like to listen to stuff when I'm driving and riding my bike or whatever it is that I'm doing. And the library I belong to happened to have the five love languages available to check out on audiobooks. So I listened to the whole thing this last week and I thought, man, that was really, really good. And basically what the idea or premise of the book is, is that there are many different ways to express love. Five primary categories to express word. love. we can do it through our words. We can do it physically through touch, hugs, handshakes, all that kind of stuff. We can do it by, uh, show love by doing something for someone else. We can show love by giving gifts. How many of you like to get gifts? A couple of you. Okay. The rest of y'all are lying, but anyway. But believe it or not, that's not what I want to preach to you about today. But it came to my mind as I was listening to it that that is so much like worship. We've been talking about worship. We started a series called A Lifestyle of Worship at the beginning of January, and it's going to go for another couple of weeks. But just like there are several, and by the way, I I greatly recommend that book. If you've never read it, you can listen to it. It'll greatly help you, especially if you're married, but with all your relationships, okay? Okay. And um, anyway, so just like there's several different ways to show love, there are several different ways for us to worship God. And that's one of the reasons why we have started this year with this sermon series called A Lifestyle of Worship. Something we've been trying to emphasize all along the way is that worship shouldn't be something that just happens on Sunday morning. And by that, I don't mean that we should be going around throughout the week, raising our hands and saying, Jesus, I love you. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus, I love you. You know, are singing songs. That's all great stuff to do. But as I've mentioned several times, we've got our mindset, I think, many times. We think that worship is just that musical, vocal part of our expression of love and praise to God. It's what primarily happens on a Sunday morning in a service like we just got done over the last half hour, the songs that we sang, the times between the songs or even during the songs that we gave vocal expressions to God of our love and our honor and how he deserves our, 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 our worship. But that's only one aspect of worship. It's a very important aspect of worship, but it's only one. We've been working off of this definition, and that is that worship is recognizing God's worth and showing appreciation for it because of who he is and what he's done. In fact, the word worship came from an old English word, worthship. It means you recognize the worth of something, and so you express that. And so we recognize God's worth. That doesn't sound quite spiritual enough, but we recognize that God is God. And you know, even if he did nothing for us, he deserves our worship because he's God. But not only because of who he is, but what he's done. The many ways in which he has interacted with us and he's gotten involved in our lives, the times that we cried out to him and he delivered us or he healed us or he helped us or he was actively at work in our lives, most importantly, by sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross, to pay the price for our sins, so that we can put our trust in him and be saved from our sins and have a relationship with him. So ultimately, worship is anything and everything or all that we do to show respect, honor, and appreciation to God. Obviously, that does involve our vocal worship. Our adoration, our praise, when we sing, when we play instruments, when we lift our voices, either in song or just expressions of praise. That's a very, very important aspect of worship. In fact, that's going to be the topic for next week. And Pastor Nate, our youth pastor, worship leader, he's the one that's going to bring the message next week to talk about the importance of adoration and praise as worship and how we can best do that in a way that pleases God. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago in the first service, we need to remember that worship is not about pleasing us. It's about pleasing God. Because God is the one we're worshiping. So Pastor Nate's going to talk about that. We talked last week about how worship is surrender. In fact, that's the most basic aspect of worship. That's the foundation. In Romans 12, 1, it tells us that we should surrender ourselves to him. And that is our act of worship. And we're going to be reading that scripture in just a little bit. In fact, if we do not surrender ourselves as an act of worship, all of our other worship does not have near the significance or the value as it could. We find throughout Scripture that giving is an act of worship, and we're going to hit that topic in a couple of weeks. In fact, Pastor Jan is going to preach about that one. But there's another area that's so significant because it affects every other area of our life. We talk about having a lifestyle of worship, and it was as we live our lives that everything and anything that we do would be uh, an expression of worship to God. And that area is the area of service. Worship is service. And that's the title of the message today. Worship is service. That's one of the reasons why... Coming to this place today, we'd say, I'm going to a worship service. I mentioned that two weeks ago when we started this series. Why do we call it a worship service? What about our gathering together is service? Well, what is service? Service means that we're doing something for someone else, something that they need or something that they want. And so as we gather together, we are worshiping God. We are serving him because we're giving to him the praise and glory and honor that he deserves. But the Bible makes it very clear that we can do that in many, many, many other ways. And that's what I want us to look at today. As we look at scripture, we see all the way through from the Old Testament to the New Testament that worship and service, service to God, are exactly the same thing. I ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to start reading with verse 8, but I need to give you the background here. Many of you, maybe most of you, maybe even all of you, are familiar with the story of when Jesus was beginning, was, was just getting ready to begin his ministry. He was baptized, and then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. And it says at the end of that time, the devil came to him specifically to tempt him to sin. You know, the first one was, you're hungry. You've got all kinds of power. There's rocks. You can turn those rocks into bread. Why don't you turn those rocks into bread and eat? God doesn't want you to go without, and it wasn't God's timing or God's plan. So Jesus says, nope, I've got to do what God says. What God's word says is what I do. That's more important than filling my stomach. And then he told him, listen, you've got all kinds of power. God's angels are looking out for you. Stand on the pinnacle of the temple. Cast yourself down and God will deliver you. God will rescue He'll send an angel to rescue you. Probably in his mind, it was a a, a promotion that Jesus would would do that and that people would see him. And as that happened, people would say, oh, look at him. He's sent from God and people would pay more attention to him. But it was an aspect of trying to prove God, trying to test God God. And Jesus said, no, I won't do that. But then it gets to this third temptation, and we get to verse 8. It says, and again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And the temptation here being that the devil says, I'll give you everything you're gonna get eventually, but you won't have to go to the cross. I'll give you all power and authority over everything and everybody in this world if you'll just fall down and worship me. But look at Jesus' response in verse 10. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. But look at Jesus' response. He says, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. You see right here, Jesus equates the two together. Worshiping God and serving God are the same thing. If you do a study through the Old Testament, you see over and over again, those two words are used together seven specific times. God warns his people to not turn to other gods to worship and serve them, to worship and serve them, to serve and worship them. The words are used almost interchangeably. If we look at the passage that I referred to a few moments ago that we preached from last week, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So the most basic aspect of our worship is to surrender to God. But it's interesting that if you were to look at this verse in all the different English translations of the Bible, about half of them translate that last word as worship and about the other half translated as service. Why? Because the word means the same thing. Because worship is service and service is worship. In fact, one of the translations, the New American Standard, tried to cover all the bases. It says, this is your spiritual service of worship. I know I'm saying the same thing over and over in kind of different ways because I want to get it clear in your head that as we serve God, if we do it the right way, our service of God is an act of worship to Him. And we are able to do that in any and every environment we find ourselves in, in every situation we find ourselves in. That's why we can have a lifestyle of worship because we can serve God wherever we go and whatever we do. But that raises a couple of questions. There's two main questions I want to deal with this morning. If service is this integral part of worship, where do we serve God and how do we serve God? Because we know if we serve somebody else, we know that that person is there and we're doing something they want or need. But how do we serve a God who lives in heaven and I know he's around me and he's with me, but he's a spiritual being and I live out in this physical world and I have to go to school and I have to go to work and I live with my family at home and and, and we go to church. So how do I serve God in all of those situations? And so this morning I want to deal with two questions that'll help us figure out how we can apply this. The first one is where can we bring glory to God through our service? I I threw in that term glory to God because that's an aspect of worship. What are we doing when we're worshiping? We're giving glory to God. So where can I give glory to God through our or through my service? And after we talk about that, we're gonna talk about how. How do I do it? In these environments, in these situations, how do I actually Bring glory to God through my service. So let's look at that first question first. Where can we bring glory to God through our service? Paul says in Colossians 3.17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. He says in whatever you do. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Do all to the glory of God. That particular verse is in the middle of a context where believers had this disagreement about whether they could eat certain foods or not. Because they might have been offered to an idol um, as a sacrifice. And then later the meat sold in the market. And would that be right or wrong? And, and, and they had this debate going back and forth. And, and Paul says, listen, it really doesn't matter. You know, idols aren't really gods, whatever. But, you know, you've got to follow your conscience. You've got to follow the way God leads you. But he says, but whichever way you go, even in the simplest matter of eating and drinking and what you eat and what you don't eat, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So Paul shows us in these two verses and other teachings that whatever we do, it can be done for the glory of God. But again, that raises the question, how, where? You know, if we can bring God, glory to God anywhere and everywhere, how do we go about doing that? This morning, I want to just focus on three primary areas of our life, three significant areas of our life where we can bring glory to God, all right? All right. The first one is we bring glory to God by serving Him in our world. Totally apart from church, totally apart from our home, but as we go out into our world, wherever it is that we go, if we go to a job, if we go to school... If we're just out there doing whatever we're doing, we can serve God in that situation and therefore bring glory to him. Any place that we interact with other people, we can bring glory to God. And the reason that is true is because there is a principle in scripture that says that however we treat other people is how we treat God. However we treat other people is how we treat God. So if we treat other people well, if we serve other people well, with keeping in mind the, the, the thought that I'm doing this for God, it brings glory to God. You might say, well, where is that? Well, Jesus told a number of parables in Matthew chapter 25. And one of those parables is the parable of the sheep and the goats and he says at the end of time all people will stand before God there's going to be judgment and and to make this very short and brief and give you the basic points he says when these people stand before God God is going to be is going to say to them you will be rewarded because i was hungry he gave me something to eat You'll be rewarded because I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was lonely, you befriended me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. All these different needs that people had. And he says, you will be rewarded because you served those people in that way. Or you served me in that way is what he says. And he says, people will say, well, how do we serve you? He says, anytime you serve someone else that way, you are serving me. In fact, his exact words are, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And he says, some of the other people, he says, you're you're going to be judged. You're going to be condemned because I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I was thirsty. You didn't feed me. I was lonely. You didn't befriend me. I was in prison. You didn't come to see me. And they'll say, well, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or in any of these needs and we didn't serve you in that way? And Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. So again, the principle here is that how we treat or how we serve other people is how we treat or serve Jesus. So that should make us examine our lives and say, well, how do I treat the people around me? How do I treat my friends? How do I treat strangers? How do I treat uh, my boss? How do I treat those who are under my authority at work? How do I treat my teachers? How do I treat the other students in my classes? How do I treat friendly people? How do I treat unfriendly people? Because basically Jesus says, you're a representative of me in the world and how you treat others is actually, I'm, I'm taking as how you're going to treat me. Now, we've got a little bit of practical application here in Colossians chapter three. If you want to turn there, Colossians chapter three. Verses 22 to 24. This is in the middle of Paul talking to people how they should conduct themselves and their families. But then he gets into the workplace. Now, I know in this passage it talks about bond servants and their masters. Okay? Um, In their culture, there were masters and slaves, masters and servants. That doesn't mean that God gave approval to it, or that even Paul did. It was part of their culture. And Paul says, this is the way our culture is. This is how you function in our culture. But the principles he's going to talk about here apply very easily to our situation when we're in a workplace and we are the employee and we have an employer. It can also apply to our students who are in school where there are certain things that you need to do. I mean, you need to do it for yourself and for your own education, but you're doing it for your teachers, all right? So I want you to read it from that through that lens as we take a look at this. In Colossians chapter three, starting in verse twenty-two, it says, "Bond servants, and we can throw in their employees or students, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters or your bosses or your teachers or whatever, not by way of eye service as people pleasers. It was not just to make them happy, not just to um, uh, to get on their good side." But with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Jesus says that when we're in a situation where we're under someone else's authority, We're under someone else's influence and we are supposed to be doing something for them, like a boss, like a teacher, maybe some other situation. He says, do your best. Do a good job. Don't just do it to get a paycheck or don't just do it to get good grades. Those are good motivations. They certainly are good things to desire. Don't do it just to look good in their eyes. But do it because, or do it, do it well because you're doing it for me. You're ultimately serving me. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, whatever you're doing, you're doing in his name. And he says that if we do that, it brings glory to God. It brings glory to God. And so we need to examine our lives and how we conduct ourselves in the workplace how we conduct ourselves at school, how we um, do what we do and why we do it, knowing that if we do it for the right reason, if we do it to the best of our ability and we're doing it for the glory of God, it is an act of worship. And the side benefit is that God will reward it. Verse 24, it says, you're actually serving the Lord Jesus. When you're on the workplace, you're actually working for Jesus. When you're a student in school, you're actually doing your work for Jesus. When you're in another environment similar to that, you're actually doing it for Jesus. So do your best. Do it for His glory. It's an act of worship. You'll be rewarded for it. The second area is we bring glory to God by serving Him in the church. We give glory to God by serving Him in the church. We look at 1 Peter chapter, let me find it here. 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 10. Peter says, as each of you has received a gift, talking about God's anointing and ability in your life to do something for him, as each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Again, keeping in mind that serving one another is serving God. He says, whatever God has given you, whatever ability, whatever gift, whatever talent, whatever calling, whatever area he'd like you to serve. He says, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. He says that if we do this, this will all bring glory to God in order that everything, that in everything God may be glorified. Serving one another serves God and brings Him glory. As we do what he has called us to do, as we work together, and there's so much teaching in Scripture, so much teaching in the New Testament about how we're the body of Christ. And just like a body, we all have different functions and we all need to work together in unity to accomplish God's purposes. And as we do that, we find our place of service. God's work gets accomplished. We end up serving each other. And in the midst of that, God is glorified. So we bring glory to God by serving him In the church. And that's why it's so important if this is your church home. That you find that place where God wants you to serve. It's so important for the health of our church. It's so important that we as a whole church body can do what God has called us to do. Right here where we are in our community. In this passage, again, there's a lot of teachings in the New Testament about spiritual gifts and finding your place in the body different kinds of spiritual gifts if you were to list all the ones especially that paul mentions there's over 25 that are mentioned but i think there's a whole lot more than that because i don't think none of the list is meant to be exhaustive peter divides them in two categories he says there's there's different gifts or ways you can serve that involve speaking and there's other ways that involve doing or serving the point is is that where has god called you to serve can I tell you that if this is your church home, and I know we got some guests that are here, if God were to lead you to, to take this place as your church home, you become part of our body, there are places to serve. And I can tell you there are places of need in our body for service. We have areas in children's ministry. We have areas in the nursery. We have areas in our media department. Simple things, technical things all areas in which we would work with you to learn whatever you might need to learn to do what you need to do. Some of you might say, but you know what? I've gotten older and I'm not as strong as I used to be and I don't have as much energy as I used to be. And you know, we're all at different stages in our life. We're all at different stages in our physical uh, capabilities and such. The thing is, is are we doing what we can do right here, right now? I just want to challenge you. I don't want to make a big deal of it, but if this is your church home and you've not yet found a place to serve, come and talk to me. Come and talk to Pastor Jan. Come and talk to Pastor Nate. We want to help you find a place where you can serve. And by serving this body, you will bring glory to God because you'll be serving God. The third place is we bring glory to God by serving Him in our family. By serving Him in our family. You know, for each of these topics, there's a lot of teaching that can be done, so I'm just kind of dealing with the surface. But I find it very, very interesting that in Scripture, we learn a lot of spiritual truth by looking at the family. And what I mean by that is that God wants the family to be um, an example of and an illustration of certain relationships that we may have with Him. Let me give you some examples. The Bible says that husbands and wives being married to each other and their marriage is supposed to be an example of the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church. The church is called his bride. And that's one of the reasons why there's so much instruction in Scripture about how husbands and wives should relate to to each other. It's important because we need to know how to relate to each other. And to live a life of fulfillment and happiness with each other. But also, it's very clear that God wants it to be an example to the world of what His relationship is with the church. So if we got problems with our marriage, and we claim to be Christians, it's not only problems in our marriage, but it causes problems for a watching world if they're aware of that. And understanding how God relates to His church. We also see in Scripture that God is, God allows us, God invites us. It's a great privilege to be able to come to God as Father. I know that in some situations, if people have not had a good relationship with their father, that causes some conflict mentally and emotionally and that kind of stuff. I understand that. But I think even for people that have had not such a good relationship or even a bad relationship with their father, we can all understand what a father should be like. And that's the kind of father God is. And so within the family, we have this father-child relationship, and that is an illustration or example of God's relationship with his children. And so the point I'm trying to make here is that God calls us in the family, uh, calls us to be in our families, to have the best relationships that we can have for our own benefit, but also to be an example to the world, and that as we serve each other in our family, we are serving God. And to the degree that we do that properly, to the degree that we actually are trying to be that godly husband, that we're trying to be that godly wife, that we're trying to be that godly parent, we're trying to be that godly son or daughter, and it involves service. It involves relationship and carrying out those relationships in the right way. It brings glory to God. It brings glory to God. If we serve each other in our family as we would serve Christ, we would fulfill our godly roles. It demonstrates God's relationship with us and brings Him glory. And so, I'd ask you the question: Does your relationship with your spouse bring God glory? Does your relationship with your children bring God glory? Does your relationship with your parents? bring god glory the way you live that out the way you serve within the context of that relationship because it can bring god glory it can be an act of worship now that raises up the second question i want to deal with how So if all this is true, if we can bring God glory by serving him in the workplace, if we can bring God glory by being a good student at school, if we can bring God glory by 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 serving in the church and finding a place of involvement, if we can give God glory by serving him in our families, how do we actually do that? Okay? Easy question. How many of you have ever eaten out in a restaurant? I would imagine every hands would go, right? You know, we've all eaten out in restaurants. We've probably done it enough that we understand the concept that in most restaurants, you sit down and someone comes to serve you, right? We often call them servers. Have you ever gone to the restaurant... Gone to a restaurant Hopefully this is the experience you have all the time You go to the restaurant You sit at the table And the server comes up as quick as possible They've got a big smile on their face They're very joyful They're very enthusiastic They're very helpful And they say how can I help you today They give you what you need And they write things down you know And, and they want to make sure they get it just right And they go and they bring your food back And once you get it they come back by again Say is this just right and, and they may engage you in conversation Always with a big smile You know service with a smile And they do a phenomenal job serving you. Have any of you had an experience like that? I hope you have. I hope you've had a lot of them. Yeah. All right. But then you have a different kind of server, right? Have you ever had one of those servers that you've been sitting there for 15 minutes and they finally show up, and they kind of just look at you like I don't even want to be here. I don't even want to deal with you. What can I get you? Oh, you want a menu? (laughs) kind of toss them on the table. Maybe not that bad. Hopefully you never had your service that bad. But then they take it and they go back and then they come back and say, oh, I forgot, what was it you wanted? Then they go back and they bring your food and it's not right and they don't seem to care. Now, that's an extreme. But the point I'm trying to make is there are good service, there are bad service. And you know, and the same thing is true if we're seeking to glorify God through our service, through our service at our workplace, through our service at school, through our service in our homes, through our service at church, we need to do it right. We need to be a good server. And so I want to give you some thoughts here about how we can serve in a way that it truly will glorify God. Because how we serve is just as important as the fact that we are serving. Here they are, very simple concepts. Number one, do your best. Do your best. In whatever area of life in which you find yourself, at work, at school, at church, in your family, whatever your role, whatever your responsibility is, give it your best. Now, you can't, you can't, you can't aim at being perfect because none of us are perfect. I like that old saying, uh, that old saying that says, um, um, aim for excellence, not perfection. In other words, seek to do your best. Even though you're not perfect. I'm not perfect yet. None of us are perfect yet. None of us do things perfectly. But we should aim for excellence. And one of the passages we read in Colossians chapter 2, 22 to 24, and it's talking about, you know, uh, the, the servants and their masters and all that kind of stuff, uh, God told them to do their best. What he said was, obey in everything with sincerity of heart, and whatever you do, work heartily. He was saying, listen, do the best you can. Do the best you can at work. Do the best you can with your schoolwork. Do the best you can at whatever area God calls you to serve within the body of Christ. Do the best you can in your family, in the role that you have. And you'll be a good server. And God will be glorified. The second thing is this. Do it as if you're doing it for God. Because Paul says you are. You are. Again, that Colossians 3 passage we read a little while ago. Paul says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to do your best job to please your boss, to doing your best work because you want to please your teacher or your parents with your schoolwork, to want to do the best you can in service to God within the church to want to be the best husband, wife, child, parent that you possibly can just because you want to do your best and just because you want to please that other person. But Paul says do it primarily because you want to please God. Because you know what? Sometimes you're not going to want to please the other person. Hopefully that's not been your experience very often. But maybe you've worked for a boss. It's like, I don't want to give my best work to him or to her because all they do is ride me. And even when I do a good job, they make me feel like I've done a lousy job. They don't recognize what I've done. You know, I don't get adequately rewarded for what I've done. I don't want to really please that teacher. They're too hard, whatever the reason might be. You know what? I know I'm married to that spouse of mine, but man, they don't treat me white so, wife treat me right so I don't really feel like treating them right either or my parents are so demanding they're so restrictive or my children drive me crazy whatever the relationship is that we are called to serve in and we don't want to this is where this is helpful to hopefully be a motivation remember you're not doing it just for them you're doing it for God so if you have a hard time giving your best work because your boss is a jerk Do it for God instead. Actually realize you're doing it for God, not just for them. If you have a hard time in your relationships anywhere, love them and serve them anyway because you're doing it for God. You know, this principle is behind the other teachings of Jesus where he says we should love our enemies. Do good to those who hate us. Bless those who persecute us. Why? Because they deserve it? No. But because God asks us to and it brings glory to God. God. And God may use it to work in their life. So do your best and do it as if you're doing it for God. Number three, do it depending on the help that God provides. And this is so helpful too because like, well, you know, I don't know if I can do that. It's hard. Number one, the stuff I've got to do is hard, but then to do it for somebody else that doesn't seem to appreciate it, that's even harder. Well, God has promised to help us. God has promised to help us. We see that scripture, that principle, all through Scripture, but especially in that passage in First Peter, um, chapter four, where it's talking about using your gifts within the body of Christ. You know, he says, when you speak, do it as if God's speaking through you, and God will speak through you. And when you serve, use it with the strength that God supplies. In other words, whatever you apply yourself to, and the roles that you're supposed to serve in, you're supposed to uh, fill, and you're supposed to serve in wherever the environment might be God will give you what you need to do it and to do it well I can tell you I experienced that over and over in my life and what God has called me to do as the pastor of this church and carrying out those responsibilities including preaching and teaching I pray all the time God I don't have it I don't have everything I need I, I can't do this by myself I need your help and I find that he helps me over and over and over again he helps me to do much more And much better than I could do just in my own strength and in my own abilities. And He will help you do the exact same thing. Even though you may not be a pastor or some other spiritual leader up in front of everyone, God will help you with whatever you face in the workplace. God will help you with whatever you face in school. God will help you with whatever you face as you try to do His work in the church and it's not as easy as you thought it would be. God will help you with whatever you face in your family no matter how difficult it might get if you look to him. So do your best. Do it as if you're doing it for God. Do it depending on the help God provides. And the last one is this. Do it with a light-shining attitude. Do it with a light-shining attitude. What does that mean? Well, I made it up, so I get to define it. I was trying to think of how to word this last point. And this is just what came to my mind with a light shining attitude. I I took it from this passage that Jesus uh, was teaching uh, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five, verses 14 to 16. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. He's saying, look at your life your existence, the way you function in the world, the way you function in all your environments, the ones we talk work, school, family, you know, church, wherever it is, that you are like a light. You need to shine brightly. Shine brightly. But if you go on then to that last verse, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know, Jesus said when he was here that he was the light of the world, but he left the world. He told his disciples, now you are the light of the world. God is revealed to the world through us. How well do we shine that light? How well do people see God in us? How well do people see Jesus in us? How well do they see his influence on us? And one of the main ways that happens is the way that we serve God by serving others. And Jesus said that if we do this in the right way, God will get the glory. So what does it mean to do this with a light-shining attitude? That means two things to me. Number one, it means we do it to the best of our ability that we point people to God, not ourselves. It's interesting because in just a very short distance in the Gospel of Matthew, when you get to Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus is going to tell his followers, don't do your good deeds before men to be seen by them. If you take that all by itself, it would it, it, it sound like whatever we do that's good, we should make sure nobody knows about it. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, what is your motivation? Do you do what you do that is good to get credit for yourself and to be seen by, uh, to, to, to be seen by men as a, a really special, wonderful, spiritual, great person? Or do you somehow deflect that off to God? Now, how do we do that? That's something we got to figure out. That's some way we got. That's that that's somehow we we have to work through that. We have to pray through that. But the point is, is that if we're going to do this with a light shining attitude. That means that as we serve God in our workplace, in school, and home, in church, and wherever we are, that we want to make sure that God gets the glory for it. God gets the glory for it. And the second thing is something I already mentioned is that we do it with the right attitude. And we don't have a nasty attitude. We're not doing it begrudgingly, all right? You know, can you imagine going to work and you've got a boss that's really tough to work with or to work for. And so you decide after the message today, I'm going to go and I'm going to give it my best. I really haven't been giving it my best, but I really should because I need to do it for God and not for my boss. And so you go in there and you do it and you've got this nasty attitude and you're talking and you talk to your boss. Did you notice I did better today? Yeah. Well, I want you to know I didn't do it for you. I did it for God. God's making me. No, that's not a light shining attitude. It's not going to give glory to God. Well, that's that's a lot of information. But all I'm trying to get across to you is that we can live a lifestyle of worship. That worship can be so much more than just what we do when we gather together on a Sunday morning. But as we go throughout our life, as we go to the workplace, as we go to school, as we live within our families, as we are involved in our church, and those are just certain examples, probably three of the major ones that we would deal with. Any and every other situation that as we go through, if we do our best and we do it as if we're doing it for God, depending on His help he provides with a light shining attitude, we are living a life of worship. And God is glorified. And the side benefit is that God says that when you do that, I'll bless you and I'm going to reward you. I'm going to reward you. A lifestyle of worship. It glorifies God. It's a testimony to the world. And can I tell you, when we live these things out, it makes our life better. And we're rewarded by God. So as we wrap things up today, I want to ask you, what area of your life, perhaps, as we've talked our way through this, has God spoken to you about? I'm not going to ask you to testify, you're not going to ask you to confess, but I would guarantee that if you've been listening and you've been open to God speaking to you, that he's done that. Perhaps he's impressed upon your heart a certain relationship, a certain setting, a certain place, a certain person in which he's saying, you know what? Here's an area where you can serve me by serving somebody else. Chances are, if it's something he's dealing with you about because you're not already dealing with it or doing it, it's because it's difficult. But I want to tell you, God will help you. God will help you. Let's all stand together. Our worship team is going to lead us in a song. It's Lord, I Need You. I didn't ask them to, to to plan that one. Pastor Nate just arranged for it. As we were talking this morning about what song was going to be sung during this concluding time, I thought how appropriate. Because to really do this, we need God's help. We need God's help to live in the world in such a way that it brings glory to Him. So we're going to sing it through. And I want to invite you to make it a prayer. Lord, I need you. That you begin to express to him that area. Maybe there's a couple. Don't get overwhelmed. If you're here today and say, oh God, I need your help with every single one of these. I can relate, need help with every single one. But just say, God, where do you want me to start? Where do you want me to improve my service? Not for any benefit to me, not for any benefit even to the other person I'm going to serve. But because I want to honor you. I want to bring glory to you. I want my light to shine for you. I encourage you to respond in that way. I'm going to invite Brother Lynn to come and join me. Um, I think the rest of our elders are either sick or on. No, oh, John's here. John, if you would come too. If there's anybody else that you're part of our prayer team, would you come? And during this song, as we sing it, we're going to be available to pray with you if you'd like us to pray with you. It may have something to do with a message. It may not. Maybe you need God's touch for healing or some other relationship situation or provision or wisdom. Or maybe you would like to have us pray with you for somebody else you care about that's going through something. During this song, why don't you come? We'll be glad to pray with you. But let's make this song today our response to the invitation that God gives to us. Would you serve me? by serving others and thereby bring glory glory to me. Amen. As I close in prayer, I just want to ask, how many of you say, you know what, I don't know exactly how it's all going to work out, but I want to serve God by serving others and do the best I can. You say, I want to commit myself to that today. Father, we come to you with hands raised. You see our hearts. God, we're not perfect and we never will be but God we want to do better and to do that Lord we need your help God we want to please you we want to bring glory to you we want to honor you not just when we gather together on Sunday mornings but as we live our lives out in the world wherever we go whatever we do in the relationships we have in our work Lord God in our families God I pray that you would help us to serve others well knowing that we're serving you and that it would bring glory and honor to you and that it appoint people to you. May our life, Lord God, be a, a, an act of worship but also a great testimony. May our lives, Lord God, be that light shining in a dark place that people would see us and say, I don't know exactly what it is that's different about them or I do know what's different about them and I don't understand why it is but I want what they have. And we'd be able to say it's Jesus. It's God's power at work in our lives and God I also pray Lord God that you would guide and lead people that are a part of our church home that are part of church family to the place of service in this body Lord God you know all the many things that we would love to do for you Lord God the ministries that we already have others we'd like to start but God it only functions Lord God as each person each, each member of the body finds their place so guide and lead in that process Lord Father we thank you for that God as we leave this place today And go out into our world Which is our mission field I pray our lights would shine brightly for Jesus And Lord we give you the glory and the honor In Jesus name Everybody said Amen. Amen Amen God bless you Go out and serve God By serving the world hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org.